Welcome to the APM podcast. APM is the chartered body for the project profession. Hi, I'm Emma DeVita, the editor of Project, APM's quarterly journal. In this, our crisis talk season of podcasts, I'm asking project professionals to share their stories of managing, adapting and pivoting their projects through lockdown and now during this next phase as restrictions are eased. So thanks for joining me. In this episode, we'll be meeting Andrew Higson, a project manager at Balvac, which is a specialist in the repair, strengthening, refurbishment and protections of buildings and civil structures in the UK, from ancient castles in Wales to wind turbine farms. It's part of the Balfour Beatty Group. Andrew manages the successful delivery of infrastructure projects. His current project, Palatine Road, is being undertaken for Highways England. It involves significant temporary propping to facilitate critical repairs to 15 piers which carry both carriageways of the M60 across the River Mersey in Greater Manchester. I particularly wanted to talk to Andrew, who is also a keen mountaineer, because of a project he helped to start outside of work, the Black Dog Outdoors Mental Health Charity, which promotes the benefits of outdoor recreation for mental well-being. Take a look at the summer 2020 issue project to find out how he set it up. But he chatted to me here about why now more than ever, it's important to spend time outdoors. I spoke to Andrew in mid-July and we pick up the conversation when he tells me a bit about what his job entails. Hi Andrew, thanks for joining us. Uh, perhaps we could start with you telling us a bit about your role and responsibilities as a project manager at Balvac and uh, what project you're working on right now. Hi Emma, uh, my role within Balvac as a project manager is to manage the successful delivery of infrastructure projects through uh, through stages five to eight of our gated business life cycle. So really from pre-commencement to the, the end of the defects liability period, those responsibilities include the day-to-day management of the project team, our supply chain and other contractors in the framework to manage the budget and programme and to, to manage our stakeholders and other, other interested parties. How big is your team? The team on site at the moment, I've got a, a site manager, foreman and two engineers. And then we've also got three or four significant subcontractors on the project. So fairly small team, but, you know, all focused and, and working as one collaborative unit. And, and whereabouts in the country are you? So I'm currently sat at Palatine Road in Manchester, which is my current project. And that's a bridge repair scheme for Highways England as part of the ongoing Area 10 Construction Works framework. Palatine Road is it's quite a large structure, quite a significant structure. It uh, it's carries the M60 motorway across the River Mersey on 15 piers and across one of the main arterial routes into Manchester as well. So we're fairly close to Manchester Airport, so it's it's quite a busy, quite a busy carriageway. Currently the bridge is being repaired to return it to full strength. A couple of the piers are or under strength due to due to concrete deterioration over the years. So the, the key target for this project is to have all 15 piers repaired by the end of March 2023. How old's the bridge? It's around 60 years old, fairly young in terms of UK infrastructure. It's not Victorian for a change. My, my background within Balfour Beatty was uh, originally major projects and then I worked in a regional business but working for Balvac is I, I really enjoy uh, every day is a, a day to learn something different uh, all the projects are technically challenging and for a lot of the structures that we work on you know they they are Victorian they are they are older structures where 
where there are fewer as-built drawings around. So there's a lot of reverse engineering involved to, to try and understand how a, how a structure performs, how it was originally intended to act so that we can, we can repair it properly. So you're a bit of a detective, really. There's a lot of detective work going on there. It's, uh, <laughs> it's fun, yeah. When did the project kick off? The project started in October of 2019, following uh, an initial phase that we undertook in 2018, as a, really as a trial of the methodology. So this project kicked off in full in October. So we were, we were just picking up steam when, when COVID hit. Well, tell us about that, because um, obviously... The COVID-19 crisis has had a massive impact on many projects. Do you want to tell us a bit about how it's affected your work on the project? When uh, lockdown came into into force, we were in a position where we just completed the initial repairs and and had to um, lower the bridge back down onto its bearings. One of the one of the uh, key activities on this project is to actually take the weight off the piers that we're repairing. So. It's, massive massive propping scheme and the bridge is jacked up by five millimeters to to relieve the load on the bearings and once the concrete repairs are undertaken we have to lower lower the structure back down so it's a fairly critical point in the program you know at, at that time we were we were uncertain as to as to whether we would be able to continue working. We didn't know what the government's stance was going to be. Obviously, natural fears and anxieties from the project team and our supply chain about the the health of our people, whether we say is even safe to work. So massive anxiety issues that we had to manage. So that those those first few weeks were were quite quite difficult, really, from a not so much from the the technicality of the projects, but the how we managed our ourselves and our colleagues through. What was a, you know a difficult time did you have time to prepare for lockdown did you see it coming did you already have kind of plans in place or was it very much a shock we knew that covid was happening uh, we knew that at, at some point because of the media the media coverage that at some point controls would have to be implemented by the government that, that was the that was the language that the government were using that the they would have to um, deal with COVID. At, at the time, we we weren't sure what the implications were going to be for not just our project but the industry. So, how did you try and plan for that? We were actually um, supported well from the the wider Balfour BT business, and uh, I suppose from the the construction leadership council as well. So, they, there was a, a task force put together by the construction leadership council to to look at site operating procedures and to ensure that. There were industry standards put in place to to manage projects and and ensure that the right controls were in place for for social distancing. What's the um, construction leadership council? It's a group of contractors, consultants that that form a I guess an overseeing committee that that advises on on construction matters. A lot of information was cascaded down, as you can imagine, in a very short time scale. And I guess due to the uh, the way that, that the situation evolved, that information was changing on, a, on an almost day, daily basis. So quite a lot of active management to ensure that the controls were, were kept up to date. But the um, those controls gave us confidence. They gave the industry confidence that we could work safely. They gave us, as, as a site team, confidence that we could support each other and look after each other uh, and our our wider supply chain. So with support from our senior leaders and, and the site's operating procedures, we've, we've been able to continue works without any significant impact on cost or time, which is, you know, sitting here now is in- incredible. So when you look out the window... Are you in a porter cabin on site? Yeah, it's a very fancy porter cabin, but yeah, it's, uh, it's it's 
it's a glorified porter cabin yeah so when you look out the window does it just look like a normal uh, construction site i guess with people keeping it to the two meter rule it does yeah i mean the, the two meter rule is is a challenge it's uh, it's a challenge in that it's it's a forced habit you know we're we're creatures of um of habits aren't we we uh, we like we like other people's company we're social animals we we're not hardwired to keep distance from people that's that's why there's there's almost eight billion people in the world having to constantly remind people to keep two meters is is something that we're still doing you obviously had people on site continuously through lockdown for most of us who are who are not on site we were obviously told to work from home and for many of us i imagine that was welcome to kind of feel safe at home. What was it like in terms of having people come to work every day still, and and you too? How did people feel about that? How did you deal with that? It was it was quite stressful initially. I mean, on on the one hand, it was nice to have the the security and the certainty that I still had a job, and and I, I'm a person that needs structure in my life, so uh, I don't I don't sit around being idle very well. So so on, on the one hand there were positives, but on the other hand you were you know in the back of your mind you were thinking oh crikey I'm you know I'm going to come home with a an illness today and share that with my family or uh, are we going to start losing people on the project to illness you know are, they, are we are we going to be suddenly running a project with an even smaller staff because people are having to be furloughed or, or shielded so it was really stressful. Um, Ensuring that we we all spoke to each other, we kept conversation going, that we looked after each other. If if people needed to time out at home, they took that time out. And being flexible about how we worked in those those initial weeks was how we managed it really. I mean, it goes to show, I guess, that being a project manager is a lot about the people management side of things. Would you agree with that? I think if you're going to be successful in project management, you, yeah, you need to you need to be able to empathise and and work with your team engendered that 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 really that esprit de corps has anyone become ill or at work or has everyone been okay i'm, I'm touching wood now but to date we've we've had no no uh, confirmed cases within our our business or, or the site team or our, our wider supply chain so uh the, the controls that we've had in place have clearly been effective and you know the, the team taking the responsibility themselves to to manage those controls has, has been a big key part in all of that I'm speaking to you, it's middle of July and lockdown is easing. So I just wondered what working life is like for you now and your and your team and also the, I guess, the new challenges and priorities uh, at the moment and for the rest of 2020, what they might be. Yeah, so the uh, the new norm has, has landed. Uh, we we kept hearing we kept we kept hearing about the new norm. It's, it's here with us now. So uh, it seems to be my, Microsoft Teams is the new norm. Work, working life on sites much as it was during lockdown and that we, we're still implementing social distancing measures, there's, there's a little less stress and anxiety because we're all comfortable and confident that, that the controls are working and that, that people are taking them seriously. I, you know, I touched on it earlier, the, the two-metre rule is still a forced habit, so constant conversations, constant reminders that, that we still need to be looking out for each other, we still need to maintain those controls, uh, especially now that the, the media attention is elsewhere. You know, there seems to be less of a focus on, on coronavirus now. Were you able to take advantage of less traffic on the roads? You said you've managed to keep the work works on track. Have you been able to actually improve on the targets that you initially set? We've managed to better the programme slightly on this project because of, I guess, 
partly partly because of the lower traffic volumes so we've we've been able to relax our traffic management controls um, also i must say it's, it's very nice being able to travel 40 min 40 miles in 40 minutes not not the, not not the hour and three quarters. So it's it's making a difference with commutes as well. So I think people are feeling a little less stressed in a week because we're we're working a bit more efficiently. We're spending less time behind a steering wheel and, and more more behind the desk. So that's a that's a positive. Yeah, I was going to ask you what the lessons have been from the crisis. So one positive I think for lots of people is less time on the road commuting, more time at home if if they are able to work from home. What have, what have been the positives? for you if you looked at it negatively you know we've all we've all had to adapt to to a new way of living a new way of working uh, with you know with different dynamics and stresses uh, you know we've got people working from home that are probably working from home alone so they might be feeling a bit isolated with with no other interaction uh, some are working from home and having to negotiate internet usage with fam- family members some at home like myself that uh, you know I, I try and work home from two days a week just to give my wife a hand because she's working from home and our daughter's at home as well so they're they're the challenges but on the positive side of that it's given us all a better appreciation of you know the importance of work-life balance and a more flexible approach to working out I think it's brought people closer as well because we're having teams calls with our peers and you know it's funny little things like where you'll be having a conversation and, and somebody's partner will walk in the background with a hoover or the cat will walk across the keyboard and it just just brings a sense of normality to everything so you know they're, they're real positives um another real positive is is a trust and i guess a a confidence in using platforms like microsoft teams to to underpin businesses to to continue to hold uh, key meetings and you know uh, also to use that that technology for day-to-day working so at the palatine road project uh, we've we've undertaken virtual safety tours where we've walked around site with the the ipad and and zoomed in on things and had conversations with people that are sat in sat in their homes hundreds of miles away so you wouldn't have done that previously would you no no that would have meant a, a safety advisor having to come to site and and uh, walk around so it's it's taken taking people out of the equation and also we when we lowered the bridge this year we lowered the bridge using microsoft teams so the the permanent works designer was able to to monitor the lowering process to make sure that the the very tight constraints were were adhered to so real uh, real embrace of technology there has that been a good thing because lots of people have been talking about the acceleration the necessary acceleration of using tech tools on projects and new ways of thinking about how to get stuff done so more innovation is that something that you've experienced i I think so certainly i mean there's there's been a big push in the industry for the last couple of years to to be more innovative to to embrace technology more and it's been a real slow burner i think and not not that any of us wanted covid and and certainly not the you know not the tragedy that came with it but you know it, it really has forced a lot of people's hands in that we've we've now had to start thinking cleverer we've had to start embracing technology a bit more so it's encouraged managers to to have trust and confidence in their employees that that people can work from home efficiently and that, that things will still happen do, do you think some of these innovations uh, and changes will become permanent I certainly hope so, and I, and I think so. I think so. Uh, you know, you, you look at a business perspective. If you were to look at just things from just uh, a purely a business acumen point of view, having people working from home and not having to to pay for offices and these benefits there, these benefits in 
people being able to work more flexibly to to manage their work-life balance a little bit better so the workforce is a happier workforce overall so yeah I, I can see a lot of these these initiatives staying what have been the toughest things to deal with during this crisis i think you've mentioned some already but were there any others that you'd wanted to chat about the toughest thing really for me personally was was those um, those initial few months weeks months felt like years where uh, you know we, we were having to come to work while while many of the other people were in lockdown um trying to get your head around that and look at look at the bigger picture that you know we, we do need to we do need to keep the economy moving you've got We've got to continue these key infrastructure projects because they'll not they'll not repair themselves. Uh, you know that was that was a real challenge um, for, for not not just my own mental health, but those around me. So, but you know we we got we got fantastic support from our senior leaders, clear clear messages and direction, and we've ultimately developed a, a you know a team spirit that's seen us through into into these more positive times. Have you been able to learn how to deal with uncertainty? Yeah, I, th- I think if I if I can reflect, I, I think I've certainly grown and developed myself over the last couple of months, three months. You know, I, I used to I used to consider myself a fairly resilient person anyway, able to manage change. But certainly, certainly coming through what has been quite a traumatic period for not just for me, not just the industry, but for the for the nation really, for the, the whole world. I suppose it's certainly a little more relaxed about dealing with uncertainty now. Conf- confidence in my own abilities to manage manage through a, a crisis is is much more improved. You mentioned before about needing to focus on the bigger picture and construction and infrastructure projects are certainly part of that bigger picture and have been pushed by Prime Minister Boris Johnson recently as a way to get the economy back on its feet. How does that make you feel about your work? I feel quite proud that the you know the government have made it quite clear throughout the crisis that construction works are, are essential not to not just to support the economy but to but to keep us keep us moving to keep to keep the lights on and that you know that makes sense given the I guess given the number of people that are, are directly and indirectly employed in construction projects you know it's, it's, you look at the wider picture you've got client organisations contractors designers and consultants right down to to labour agencies and maternal and equipment manufacturers and our specialist access and support supplies so it's a massive massive industry so actually having the confidence that the government want to spend our way out of recession and avoid austerity cuts and that infrastructure will be used as that economic stimulus that's that's a real confidence boost you know uh, so it gives us a lot of uh, a lot of confidence and a lot of security knowing that key infrastructure spend is, is going to continue not only are you hugely busy at work, but you've found the time outside of work to set up a charity which uh, advocates the benefits of outdoor activity on mental well-being, and it's called the Black Dog Outdoors. Do you want to tell us a bit about it and, and what you do with that? Yeah, sure. So uh, Black Dog Outdoors is a, is a registered charity now, and we were established to promote improved mental health and well-being through a, a connection with nature. So we, um, we plan outdoor events throughout the UK, um, such as walking, climbing, paddle sports that are, that are free to attend uh, by those affected by poor mental health. And, and they're managed on the day by voluntary qualified outdoor professionals. Uh, and they're also supported by mental health first aiders uh, to ensure that the attendees have a, a safe um, and non-judgmental experience with like-minded people. So how does this come about? You, you have an interest in mountaineering, don't you? One of the ways that I, I find balance myself in my busy life is to, is to head out to the mountains. 
I love the isolation, but also the challenge of mountaineering. I was out in Russia uh, a couple of years ago to climb Mount Elbrus, which is the, the highest mountain in Europe. Yeah, that was an international expedition where I, I didn't know any of the, the other members until I got into to Russia. But uh, interestingly, when we were all sat around discussing why we why we climb mountains and what brought us all together, I, I think I think almost everybody in the group was there for the same reasons as me. That it was the challenge that they saw. They saw being outdoors as a as a form of therapy because they they all had busy busy high pressure jobs as well. So I came home with the um, the intention of, of trying to use my passion to to help other people. So is it a way for you to switch off from work? And also, do you use your experience of climbing mountains in your day job as well? Is there anything that crosses over? I, I, the thing that I really love about about being out in the mountains is that it just just gets you away from from normal life, day to day life, and the things that cause us stress. You know, TVs, advertising, being sat in a car, and just that fast pace of life that allows us to, to to slow down a little bit and just just look at what's around us and just en- enjoy the moment. So I think I think that's really important for for all of us to find a bit of a bit of quiet time. Um, in terms of your second question, definitely you know mountaineering. These transferable skills, you know, group management, uh, dynamic risk assessment, you know, planning, planning your route, planning your escape routes, uh, making sure that your equipment's, you've got the right equipment, that you're with, you're with competent people or are you competent to look after other people? They're definitely, definitely transferable skills. Have you found yourself in any kind of hairy situations? Probably one springs to mind where I was I was up in Scotland a couple of winters ago with a, a, a friend from Yorkshire and a, a friend that had flown over from from Australia and we we got lost route finding up a up a crag and found ourselves on the uh, the, the smallest ledge uh, for three people <laughs> to stand on. Uh, did realise we couldn't climb any higher from where we were and didn't really fancy climbing down the. The, the section that we just done so we were we were scratching around on a, a small ledge for, for somewhere to build a, an abseil so that we could abseil off so uh that was 40 45 minutes of hairiness but we you know we we, we got down we, we used our skills and we, we we found a safe way off the mountain so i'll have to go back and find the real route <laughs> what are the benefits for of outdoor activity on mental well-being because you've obviously read up on, on this I mean, this is only my opinion, but there's there's quite a lot of academia out there that that supports similar thoughts, which is that you know, as as a as a race, as human beings, we've we've had a fairly steady existence. You know, we 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 kind of it's it's not too long ago that we were that we were living in mud huts, so to speak, and uh, uh, you know, farming off the land uh, and you know, technology in the last the last centuries is. Just uh, advanced so quickly, hasn't it? It's that just my, my my opinion is that you know genetically we've we've probably not adapted at the same speed that technology is increasing. So and I think that really that really does exacerbate or cause poor mental health. So being able to being able to escape from from the modern life, get back to basics, just just feel the grass, get muddy, you know, splash all the stuff that we did as kids, you know, naturally, just just play. Uh, I think that's I think that's really important for us. Uh, and you know, just exercise in general is brilliant for you anyway. You know, it increases endorphin levels, uh, gives us a good hit of vitamin d if you're outdoors so that helps to reduce stress and anxiety levels and yeah i think we just need to learn to be children again and, and find a better balance because life can be too fast sometimes do you think that the lockdown has actually got people thinking about this because one of the few things we're allowed to do is to get outside and do exercise and many of us were spending more time at home or in our 
local um, area far more than we normally would. Do you feel as though that might have been a positive thing to have come out from this? I, I do, and again, um, just just coming back to some of the forced habits that we've, we've now had to uh, had to implement in in construction. I'm, I'm hoping that some of these habits will, will be there to stay. That people that people will spend more time outside because we we, we did notice that on, on social media there were there were a lot of people going out exploring their their local area that they probably hadn't thought to do before. Uh, so ho- hopefully, yeah, they they found a new interest and that that stays for for their benefit really. Have you got any advice to give to listeners about keeping mentally healthy right now um, and using the outdoors as, as a kind of therapy? Hopefully this doesn't come across as preachy because, you know, it's, it's, it's easy to say and harder to do sometimes. But uh, I definitely recommend that people people get that, that work-life balance right, um, especially if you're spending time at home. You know, just, just half an hour of exercise a day can have a, a massive effect on your well-being uh, positively. Uh, it doesn't have to be high impact or endurance. You don't have to go out running. You know, we, we're not all athletes, but, you know, heading out for a, a steady walk in your, in your local areas, it's a great way to unwind and leave your phone at home and just let your mind wander. Uh, there's, there's also exercises you could do like uh, like yoga or, or even colouring in are, are great for, for just taking your mind elsewhere. I know that a number of people that I've, I've been in contact with, they've they're actually exercising when ordinarily they'd be in a commute to work. So if they're, they're at home, they're, they're, they're sticking to a routine. They're still getting up early, but instead of sitting in the in the car behind the wheel, they're, they're going out for some morning exercise, which is a, a great idea. And I think another thing that I would recommend is if you've got children at home, again, easier said than done, just block out an hour in the day and, and spend some real quality time because there's, there'll be stresses in the back of your mind that you're, you're at home and your children want your attention and you should give it to them. Yeah, why not? People have been under a huge amount of strain, uh, especially parents, where you've got the competing demands of work and children in the house at the same time. So I'm imagining that um, that's starting to be felt by lots of people now, just being exhausted. Have you noticed that? Would you think that too? Yeah, I saw something on on Facebook last week that made me laugh, and it was like uh, it was it wasn't working from home; it was living at work. So, oh gosh, yeah. But, yeah, but that was quite, and it, and it can get that way sometimes. Which uh, I, I think it's really important to be conscious of that and to to just block out time in your day and and be strict about it. We we all need. We all need our own time. Uh, work work can still happen. We're all working more flexibly now, so just 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 find a different way of working. Find find a way of introducing some some quality family time in the day. If that means if that means doing a little bit more at night when the children are asleep, well, try try and make it happen. How do you make it work? Do you get a chance to go outside every day? Yeah, most mostly on evenings once I've shut the laptop down. But um, I do try and work from home a, a couple of days a week at the moment as well to give my my wife a break. She's she's working from home, and we've got a, a very active five year old that that can't go back to school at the moment because because she just falls outside of the uh, the age group that the school are, are looking to support at the moment. So um, yeah, I, I try and uh, I just try and spend a couple of days, and and those days that I do spend at work, I I do I do exactly what I've just suggested to others. I I make sure that there's there's two hours in the day where we'll go for a walk in the woods, we'll walk the dog, and we'll we'll paint rocks, or we'll make candles, or we'll we'll just we'll just spend some time together, and then I I, I just choose then to catch up in the evening when when everyone else is relaxing and sleeping. 
And to flip that, because you're also a manager of a team, are you aware of allowing your team to have the chance to do that? Do you feel that you owe it to your team to be understanding as well? Has it opened your eyes to that side of project management? Absolutely. I mean, again, I've always considered myself to be a people person, but um, yeah, what, what what I was before COVID and what I am now are slightly different. Uh, there's certainly, yeah, just, just being able to to think about the needs of others and have a bit more empathy and uh, allow them to, to, to leave work early, to, to take work home and, and spend some time with their families, I, th- I think is important in, in, in you know, just, just building that trust uh, and getting the best out of them as well. You know, keep, keep people happy, less stressed. It's, 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 it's a really positive thing. Uh, so, yeah, the, I'm quite, quite flexible with the site team. If there's, if there's work they can do from home, I, d- I don't need them to travel down the motorway to sit in an office. You know, it's uh, as, as long as they're in contact and they're, they're getting on with what they need to do, it's, I'm more than happy for people to work flexibly. Thanks again for finding the time to talk to us. Uh, it's been a real insight into your world of project management. So thank you. Oh, you're welcome. It's been it's been good talking. Yeah, I hope uh, I hope some of the uh, some of what we've discussed can inspire others. Thanks again to Andrew for joining us, and to you for listening to this episode of APM's Crisis Talks podcast. Watch out for our next and final Crisis Talks podcast with Joanna Rowland, director of the COVID nineteen response unit at HMRC, where she project managed the government's job retention scheme. This podcast has been brought to you by APM, the Chartered Body for the Project Profession. For more information on APM, visit apm.org.uk.